Welcome to Conversations with Cynthia. Cynthia Hyatt is a Christian psychotherapist specializing in trauma therapy, couples, relationships, and personal development. She is passionate about your life and is here to encourage, teach, and inspire you to be your own best version. Find her online at CynthiaHyatt.com. That's C-I-N-T-H-I-A-H-I-E-T-T.com. Now, with today's fresh insights, Cynthia Hyatt. Well, I hope you're having a great day today. And if not, maybe listening today will make your day a little bit better. Because I really want to encourage you about influence. We are doing this week on, are you a person of influence? And so we want to think about what what is influence? Because remember, this show is all about being attractors, not detractors from Christianity. And that we want people to be attracted to God because of how we influence them. And we don't want to be the person that they don't want to be. So I want you to aspire to be the person they want to be, not the one they don't want to be, right? And so this week, as we talk about influence, we're going to talk about today women of influence, and we're going to also talk tomorrow more about women, and then we're going to talk the the next day and a half about men and the influence that men have had. And then on Friday, we have a special guest, and he is the president of the um, Allegiance for the Unreached, and he's talking about the amount of people that are dying every day that are not exposed to Christianity and or are not Christians. And so I'm really excited about that guest. So I'll tell you a little bit more about him tomorrow. So let's talk about this this issue of of influence. And we talked yesterday about Jesus Christ and that he was put on the cover of Sports Illustrated. It was October, I think, 2001, that he was considered the greatest comeback of all times. I I mean, I think it's amazing. It's it's. Well, actually, I think it was November 12th. I'm sorry, not October. It was November 12th of 2001. And so when you think about being a comeback, people love the greatest comebacks. And so when we talk about influence, what is influence? And this is the issue of self-esteem. We talked about this a little bit yesterday, that self-esteem is not about loving myself. It's really about, am I doing admirable things? Because the more I act in admirable ways, the more I will like myself. And this is one of the ways that we have the greatest amount of influence. And so who who has influenced you? And think about who's influenced you positively and who has influenced you negatively. There's a lot of ways that we can influence people. And we do this through, we're courageous influencers, right? Because we've come back from something. Or we prayerfully influence people. There's many ways that we can influence. So when you think about what has power over you, because that's influence. What's influencing you? Maybe an addiction is influencing you. Maybe a relationship is influencing you. Maybe the drive for money is influencing you. But see, God doesn't want to change who you are. 
He loves who he made you to be. He wants your character to be changed so that you're truly who he created you to be and you are then able to influence in a very unique manner. So when we, when we look at this idea that God changes people one, one person at a time, that's what the life of Jesus did. He changed people, the world, one person at a time. And so you want to think about your unique way of influencing. And a godly influence is of great power. Changes your family, changes coworkers, changes employees. And we've talked a lot about just being courteous, kind, generous. That's influence. And God blesses character. So let's look at women of the Bible that have, have really had amazing influence. And I finally have acknowledged over the course of my life that I really have no control over things. Yet... I do have influence. And that's a really important point. I can't control people, places, things, but I can influence them. And so when we are unshakably confident of God's love for us, regardless of whether our character is where we want it to be and our behavior is where we want it to be, we're able to say it's well with my soul. And from this place of quiet rest, God often uses our lives in ways we would never imagine. So we want to look at having a, a, an influence that's not the worldly way of influence, but it's God's influence. And so the world tells us that to have significant influence, we must be, I don't know, someone or do something that the culture considers important. But there's a wide gap between what the world says and what God says that has value. And the Bible teaches us that a quiet influence of a gospel-centered life has eternal significance in many unexpected ways. So we talked a little bit yesterday about we can have a prayerful influence, and that's Samuel. He introduces us to Hannah, a woman who's distraught because the Lord has closed her womb. And to make matters worse, her husband's second wife did have children and used it to provoke her rival in marriage. And that is not godly influence. So Hannah was really distressed and prayed for a son. And she promised to return him to the Lord and to do God's sovereign purposes. And in God's providence, he answered Hannah's prayer through the birth of Samuel, who had great influence and still continues to influence us. He was anointed, he was a prophet, a priest, and a judge of Israel. So think about, do you pray with confidence that God hears and desires to answer your prayers? And this is really important that when we pray to the Lord, we just give him our prayers. We don't, don't, don't try to think for God and think that you have to pray perfectly. Remember we talked about, you know, God can't steer a parked car. So even if my prayers are going in reverse, 
God can still move them into the right direction. We just have to give him our prayers and our heart. And so we can have tremendous prayerful influence on people. We also have what we talked about as a courageous influence. Are we doing that greatest comeback? Are we doing courageous things? Are we stepping out and showing the world that we are willing to take risks? Even if they fail, we're willing to show up. And we're willing to live, to live life. And then we, we can have a, what we call a fragrant influence. We talked some about that yesterday. What's the aroma that you leave as you walk away? Did your behavior, did your interaction leave a stink or leave a really beautiful fragrance? What's the aroma that you leave after you interact with people? So this is really important, that, that idea of, wow, how do people feel after they interact with me? And sometimes, you know, in my office I have clients that I have to confront, and so the, the fragrance is maybe one of conviction. That's not necessarily negative. What we want to think about, though, is what was my attitude? What was my heart? Where was my mind? What were my words? What were my actions? That's the aroma, even if it's one that is that of conviction or confrontation. If it's done in a godly manner, it leaves the influence that he wants it to have. So we also can have what we call a faithful influence. How faithful are we to our convictions? Because the world is watching. And anyone who claims to be a Christian you have to understand the world is watching. And unfortunately, God has to work through very fallen people, but he does. That's why we always want to be coming back. We want to make sure that we have a faithful influence in people's lives. And that doesn't just mean being faithful to God and being faithful to our own convictions and faithful to our integrity and our ethics. It means that... that our word is true. That when we say, hey, I'm willing to do this for you, or this is how I feel about you, or I'm committed to you, that my actions follow through with that, that I'm faithful. Whatever challenges come to my life, I want to show people that I'm faithful to who I claim to be. And I'm faithful to the God that I serve. That's, that's, a, that's a huge commitment. That's a, that's a difficult walk. And so we see all through the Bible these people that were faithful over the course of their life, but they weren't always faithful every moment. So this is why we don't want the enemy to judge us, and we don't want to be our own judge and our own jury and our own executioner. We just want to come back. So let's look at Hannah. Hannah was barren. This is 1 Samuel chapter 1. And she wanted a son, but God had not granted her one. She begged the Lord for a child. And in return, she promised to dedicate this young man to God's service. 
and her son was born, and she followed through with her promise. She begged God for a child, and she said, if you give me one, I will give him back to you. And the thing that's so amazing is she followed through. She was faithful. She was faithful. She was courageous. She was prayerful. And so she took her child, Eli, the priest, and left him to be raised in the temple. Imagine that. Your whole life, you're dreaming for a baby. You're wanting a child so desperately. Now think about a baby, a child, is, is a dream. So you may not have a dream of having a child, but you have a dream of something. And if we are willing to give that dream back to God and say, I'm praying for this. I feel like this is who I'm supposed to be, what I'm supposed to do. I really want a husband. I want a wife. I want a child. I, I want a better job. I want to do your service, Lord. These are the things, these are the dreams. Like Hannah, she was barren. So if you're feeling barren, give your dream to God and then give it back to him. And so she continued to have influence over the boy's life all through his years, even though he was growing up with Samuel. And so her son grew up. I'm sorry, her son grew up to be Samuel. She was, gave him to Eli. But was one of the, Samuel was one of the most influential and godly men in the Bible. So as hard as it may have been for her to do, she kept her promise. She was faithful. She was courageous. How many of us today would have done that? How many of us are actually women of our word? We want to be women of our word. So let's look at Abigail. This is 1 Samuel chapter 25. So there's much to be learned from this kind of lesser known hero, heroine in the Bible. Very amazing lady of faith. And her story is found in Samuel 25, for Samuel 25. And she was described as beautiful in the Bible. Unlike many other women referenced in the Old Testament, she was described as intelligent, clever, of good understanding. And on top of that, she had beauty and brains, and she was brave. But she was a humble woman. And she married to a wealthy but unscrupulous man, named Nabal. But she used her wisdom, along with her wealth, to plead for the safety of her husband's household. And David, the king of Israel, the future king of Israel, swore to seek vengeance after being insulted by Nabal. But he was so moved by Abigail's humble plea that David's, King David's heart turned. And the next morning, Abigail told Nabal that she had taken an offering to David and by doing so, she had turned back the king and his 400 soldiers. Now Nabal, was, he was shocked to learn that his whole household could have been destroyed. So shocked, in fact, the Bible says his heart died within him. He became a stone. Ten days later, he was dead. When David heard the news that Nabal was dead, he sent for Abigail. And he asked Abigail to become his wife. Because David saw within her virtue 
of honesty and a desire to protect her family, even though she had a terrible husband, she was faithful. And she was rewarded for that. So think about how courageous, how faithful, how prayerful Abigail was. She used her beauty and her brains to influence the king, King David, to protect her horrible husband. And he was so overwhelmed by what she had done. His heart died within him, and ten days later he was dead. And she became the wife of David. It's, it's amazing. So think about Queen Esther, right? We, there's so much about Queen Esther. And she's the heroine that saved the entire Jewish population. Now, she's recognized mostly for her strength, her bravery, and her dignity. And she was chosen by a Persian king to be his wife in a contest. But he didn't know she was a Jew. And so when the king's right-hand man, Haman, he came up with this plan to kill the Jews. And Esther's uncle found her and pleaded with her to spare Israel. So imagine how courageous Esther had to be, realizing she was going to be this queen. And was she willing to save her people? So here a woman, just as we talked about Abigail, saved so many people by their influence. So even though she was his wife, right? She knew she was not allowed to approach him without an invitation. But she was courageous, faithful, and prayerful. And she did. Because it could have ended in death. And she was willing to do that. She believed she was chosen by God to save her own people. And she agreed to go in front of the king, even though this could have been her death. And she won his favor. And her people were saved. She did not let her fear or her position stand in her way. Isn't that important? Fear or position. So how many of us have a certain position in life? Maybe it's, we're a vice president of a company. We're a CEO. We're a mom. We're a dad. We're a principal at a school. What's our position? And are we willing to influence the way that God is asking us to influence, even if it means we lose our position. But because of Esther's bravery, the Jews were saved. So let's look at the next one. Let's look at Ruth. Ruth the Moabite. Ruth, she's another example of a humble, contrite woman of God. She really is the type of all those who have been separated from God but received by God grace. Boaz, whom she would later marry, okay, she, she married him later, was symbolic of Jesus Christ. And I love how symbolic the Bible is. And think about you as a character in the story that God is writing. And so he would, Boaz was symbolic of Jesus. Because Jesus receives us even though 
We are not worthy. And Ruth the Moabite was not worthy of Boaz. Because remember, the Moabites were a pagan people, and they were forbidden to enter into the land of Israel, not to mention intermarry with the nation of Israel. So this is why it's so symbolic. Neither are we worthy to enter into relationship with God and to be a a part of God's people. But that's why God's grace is so amazing. So the humility of Ruth, who was entering into the nation of Israel with, with Naomi, she says, she says to, to Naomi, For where you go, I will go, and where you lodge, I will lodge. Your people shall be my people, and your God my God. Where you die, I will die, and there I will be buried. May the Lord do so to me, and more also, if anything but death parts me from you. And that's Ruth chapter 1, 16 and 17. So we see the power of Ruth and her, her willingness in relationship to be so committed. And the, the words of Ruth embody what being a follower of Christ should be. We give up our people to be faithful to Christ. And as we do that, Christ brings our people back. And so those who follow Christ are disciples. And so wherever Jesus goes, we go. And many times he goes places we would never dream he would go and we would never maybe want to go. And I've told you many times the story of my life that I I really never dreamed of being a therapist and I didn't necessarily want to be one. But I always was doing it. All through high school, through college, I was always talking with people, directing people, guiding people, coming alongside people, helping people, loving people. And so I went where Jesus took me. I followed him. And that is the profession that he, 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 he brought to me and he brought me in. And many times, I have to be honest with you, I really wasn't following but I was thankful that he was walking beside me. And he's like the great GPS, right? He reroutes us all the time. And so we want to be faithful to follow wherever Jesus goes. We want to be courageous to follow where he goes. And we want to be prayerful so that we are following where he goes. That is how we become truly people of influence because they're watching our lives. I know you think that maybe you're not seen, but it doesn't mean that people aren't watching. It doesn't mean that people aren't seeing what you're doing and they're either deciding to be like you or to be not like you. So we want to be people of Christ, that people want to be like us that they're able to know Jesus through us and through our influence. So join me tomorrow. We're going to do more of women influencers, and then we're going to also talk about the men that are great influencers. So think about how you are going through your day and how you are influencing people, even through what you're driving. 
And whatever your purchases are or whatever you're doing with employees or coworkers. So God bless you. Be a person of influence. And I'll talk to you tomorrow. I'm praying for you. To hear today's program again or to share it with someone else, please go online, CynthiaHyatt.com. That's C-I-N-T-H-I-A-H-I-E-T-T.com. Conversations with Cynthia is heard daily at 3 p.m. and 12 noon every Sunday on Faith Talk 1360 KPXQ. Follow Cynthia on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and LinkedIn at Cynthia Hyatt. Until next time, remember, be your own best version. Yeah.